0: Thank you so much for talking to us and listening to us this past year. Our audience has grown way beyond what we had expected when we started on this journey.
1: If you like what we do, please consider rating us and writing a review on the platform you use to listen to High Theory. Many thanks in advance.
0: Hello, welcome to High Theory. Today we have Ella Hawkins with us who's going to talk about biscuit art. Ella, Would you mind introducing yourself?
2: Sure. My name's Ella Hawkins and I am an academic primarily. I write about Shakespeare and costume design and I also make very extravagant biscuits that draw on my love of design.
0: Extravagant and drop-dead gorgeous.
2: Ah, thank you so much.
0: Thank you so much for coming to High Theory, Ella.
2: Thank you for having me.
0: Let me ask you my first question. What the heck is biscuit art? (laughs)
2: A good question. Biscuit art is a phrase that I didn't really come up with. People kept telling me that the biscuits were art, so I kind of rolled with it a little bit. So biscuit art, I suppose, is biscuits that are primarily very visually designed. So as well as tasting good, hopefully, they're meant to look a certain way. And the photographs of the biscuits, are the way that I share them, and the sort of end product comes through.
0: Can I ask you to trace a genealogy of Ornamental food. I don't know how else to put it, but like <laughs> the examples that I am thinking of is if we go really, really back, at least in England, those peacocks on pies. Yeah, um, absolutely. How do you see the genealogy of your biscuit? Arm?
2: Hmm. Yeah, I think those sort of, I'm thinking of like Tudor, very extravagant feasts and March panes, I think they were called, where they were very sugar art inspired products that will be displayed. And that was sort of a statement of wealth, as I understand it. So the way that your table looked was as important as what things tasted like. And that's kind of carried on through history really, hasn't it? Like it feels like also quite a Victorian tradition to have very visually appealing table settings. Mm. So I suppose I've never really thought about it like that before, but I suppose creating extravagant biscuits does feed into that a little bit. Though It's I guess it's not so much a statement of wealth. (laughs) I hope not. It's it's not a money thing, um, for me at least. It's much more about celebrating whatever it is that the biscuits are inspired by.
0: I mean, it's also... I'm not a food historian, so I can't quite pinpoint the moment. But I think we have been living for a while now in a time of ornamental baking. And I don't think I can record this episode without mentioning the Great British Bake Off. Of course. Uh, that would be sacrilege. Do you have plans to apply or have you applied <laughs> before?
2: I do not. I get asked that quite a lot and I don't. And it's partly because... I wouldn't get far enough for say bread week or pie week because I'm very sort of biscuit for I've done I've done a lot of cakes, I've done a lot of biscuits, but I'm more about working on that particular area rather than having a broad base of of baking. But also just because making these creations, the reason I do it, I suppose, is to just get these sort of creative elements of my research out of my system a little bit in a different way. So it feels like quite a different interest rather than sort of trying to make progress in the world of baking, if that makes sense. My goal is not like to open my own patisserie or anything. I'm really rounded in my academic research. And this is one of those outlets that's just a little bit out of the norm, perhaps. It's a bit different from writing. Mm
0: -hmm. So on the note of the relationship between your research as a whole and this particular thing that you do, mm. how do we use biscuit art or how do you use biscuit art?
2: Well, it started because I was interviewing a designer, I was writing about her work, and I cared, I I cared so deeply about doing a good job. And I was so grateful to her for speaking to me that I wanted to show her how much I loved what she did. And so I made a biscuit set inspired by her costume design. And I gave it to her as a way of sort of thanking her for her time. And I realised how much I enjoyed translating the stuff I was studying, so those sort of textures of the fabric I was writing about, the patterns that have been recreated from Elizabethan fabrics in a 21st century production. And I just loved that process so much. And I really enjoyed thinking in that very practical, hands-on, recreative way, if you like. And so I've just sort of carried on doing that with all different forms of inspiration and far beyond costume design as well I have made more Elizabethan inspired biscuits that's my sort of home base for research my PhD was on Elizabethan inspired costume design and that's what my first book's about but I've since done things like William Morris costume design for tv shows like Outlander Game of Thrones or period dramas like Austen adaptations Emma so all kinds of different things, but it's still that process of reimagining something that's very visual and very it's sort of texture focused with colour, kind of capturing that in a different form. Um, so that's, I suppose, how it stemmed from my research and how it continues to link to it.
0: The biscuit kind of gives you this readily customizable frame where you can kind of take an element of, let's say, a William Morris wallpaper or...
2: Absolutely. Yeah, it's like a ready-made canvas to sort of project the patterns onto. Yeah, definitely.
0: I really want to ask you about your forthcoming monograph. What is it about?
2: It's about how and why modern costume designers reinvent Elizabethan dress for contemporary audiences when they're staging Shakespeare. So all the different ways in which when you go and see a Shakespeare production, you might have read in a review that it's described as being in period dress, for example, or traditionally costumed, But the book's all about how those historical forms of dress actually work in all kinds of different ways to make sense of, say, supernatural elements of the plays. So the fairy world might be made fantastical through these very extravagant historical styles of dress. But sometimes it's more about reconstructing the material culture of the past. And that's a kind of form of research in and of itself on the stage that's sort of hosting that research. The book is all about exploring all those different ways that Elizabethan dress works and how important it continues to be and very current, a way of reflecting current issues in modern Shakespearean performance.
0: Right now, the Shakespeare productions that are being staged, do you see a return to period dress? Because it's very common to see Shakespeare productions which are modernised or pared down to a certain extent.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Well, trends seem to keep changing all the time. There's a general shift towards modern dress productions, but also to costuming Shakespeare's plays in a completely different period. So say the Victorian era or the Edwardian era, so recontextualizing it in a place that's not modern, but it's also not the original context. That's a very popular approach as well. Although there are definite moments where this Elizabethan dress has sort of come back. For example, if you look at Shakespeare's Globe over the past few years, There's been a lot of really interesting work there in patchwork or collaging elements of Elizabethan dress as well as modern dress. It's kind of like the theatre is reinventing itself a little bit at the moment. So although we associate it sometimes with what's called original practices performance, which is that reconstructive approach to performance, it's now sort of reimagining itself and costume is a huge part of that. So you do see a lot of it, say there, for example, whereas at other theatres, they might be tending more towards modern dress. But Tracking those trends can be a really interesting way of understanding what performance is doing at the moment.
0: So we are talking about adaptation and the relationship between the art and the world. So this is a good point to ask you. How will biscuit art save the world?
2: (laughs) Well, they're a really good way of showing people things in a new light. Mm. So in terms of bringing to life museum collections or looking at historical objects in a different way. They're really good at drawing attention to these little tiny details that perhaps can be lost in their original context, but they really shine a light on those textures and patterns. Or they can really celebrate a particular period of history. So bringing together a certain colour scheme, certain patterns can really draw attention to that. So I think in terms of changing the world or saving the world, hopefully above all, they bring a little bit of fun <laughs> they bring a little bit of joy they make you smile i hope which is what we all need to do
0: absolutely so in preparation for this episode i've been trying to find out the thing that oscar wilde said about the ontology of the ornament which is something to say utility is not the point obviously but the ornament somehow creates this window into a different kind of life of something that Maybe you see every day on something that gathers dust and you don't really think about twice.
2: Yeah, absolutely. And there's also, there's a really nice quote from William Morris that I can't remember word for word, but the essence is making everything beautiful. So beauty everywhere, even if it's not something you would normally think of as being beautiful. So like reinventing the biscuit a little bit. Often, you know, you'll keep a pack in your cupboard and they're just a thing to snack on, but why not make them beautiful? And everyone deserves a little bit of beauty in their cupboards and in their lives.
0: Brilliant. Well, Ella, thank you so much for coming to High Theory and talking about biscuit art. And I really hope to see your biscuits one day in real life.
2: <laughs> oh, I hope one day you can try one in real life as well
1: and see what they taste like.
0: Absolutely. Well, thank you.
1: Thank you so much. And thank you for listening to High Theory.